0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area.
1: I think everyone's got a study sheet. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. And we'll begin looking at verse number 12, if you would, with me. We read here, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Uh, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the many benefits that we have because of your grace. And of course, Lord, one of those benefits are is that we can, that we can resist sin, that we can overcome sin, that we can... Uh, Yield ourselves to you and serve you in truth and righteousness. Bless us now as we study this morning. Uh, Bless the study of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We've all been called unto service. That's what my theme today is, the call unto service. Um, This was the theme of Jesus' life as he dwelt on this earth. In Philippians chapter 2, he tells us, Uh, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus' life on earth he came as a servant and he set the example as a servant for us. He taught us to serve by his example. In John chapter 13, verses 13 through 17, we read, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And we see that Jesus was the example in servitude. He served Uh, the father and he did so even though he was equal to the father he did so he set aside his deity and he took upon him the form of a servant now so far in our study of the Christian life we've examined some calls uh, calls that cannot be performed apart from the personal work of, of the trinity of God the father God the son and God the Holy Spirit but now I want today to consider a call that must be performed by you and I. We read just a moment ago in Romans chapter 6, we read some very, some very poignant statements. Um, in verse 12, Paul states, let not sin reign in your body. That's, that's an admonition to you personally. Don't let sin reign in your body. He said in verse 12, um, or 13, yield not your members. Don't, don't give in to sin. This is a personal work. It's it's personal for you and I. We're the ones that have to, we have to resist sin. We have to resist temptation. We're the ones that have to yield ourselves to the spirit, yield ourselves to the following, to following the Lord and his call. So we see now a work that we must perform. Now, I'd like for you to uh, turn with me to John chapter 13. Turn with me to John chapter 13. I read, I read verses 13 and, and 14 and 15, but I want to I continue now and read verses 16 and 17 in John chapter 13. And we read here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now look at verse 17. Jesus states here, If ye know these things... Happy are ye if ye do them. You see, Jesus came, Jesus, God in the flesh, came and served. So you and I certainly are not greater than Jesus. So we, we cannot exalt ourselves above him. And if he served, then we need to serve And if we understand this, he says in verse 17, Happy are ye if ye do them. I I just want to say this morning that real joy, genuine real joy is found in the pathway of service. This world can provide us with some joy. We, we, We can't deny that. Sin... Is pleasure. There is pleasure in sin. There's no denying that. The Bible states that. But genuine, true joy for the believer is found in the pathway of serving God. Um, at no point in a Christian's life here on this earth will he or she ever be any happier or feel any more fulfilled than when we are actively serving Christ. I mean, you think back to it. The happiest times, in, when I look back, the, the most joyous times in my life are spent, or, or the times I spent serving Christ, doing things for the, for the work of the Lord, doing things for the ministry. <laughs> Those are the happiest times I can, I can recall to mind. So that, that's where we really find joy. And conversely, let me say that there is no lasting joy for the Christian living in disobedience to God they may have a semblance of of happiness I mean I'll take this morning for example Um, part of our service is worshipping the father right so being in church today is in essence serving God and you may be able to, I mean, I know that there are Christians that won't be in church today and they'll be at the beach or they'll be here or they'll be there and they'll be doing this and they'll be doing that. And they may have a semblance of joy, but there's no real joy for the child of God that can compare to obeying God. There is a, there is a, a deep and abiding joy when we do that. Consider, consider Samson. In Judges chapter 16, we read, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. See, Samson was so distant from God that he didn't sense the presence of God had left him. Because he was always so distant from God, he never really sensed the presence of God, even though God's presence was with him. And so it is with so many Christians who, who, who go on about their lives and don't even realize that they're missing out on the, on the blessings from God. So let us not, let us not be foolish in that, in that part. Um, Samson was God's chosen. He was the judge of the Philistines, yet he loved the people of the world more than he loved God. And it cost him dearly. So you and I have been called to serve, and serve we must. Now, this morning I want to take a few moments. I want to look at five characteristics of our service to God. Five characteristics of our service to God. Number one, we are to be faithful to serve. We are to be faithful to serve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul said, Let people people look at us and consider us as God's servants. And... It is required in stewards that a man be faithful. So we're to be faithful to serve. Unfortunately, today this is often not the case. Uh, Our society has become a very unfaithful one. Every one of us in this room have been disappointed at one time or another by someone that has let us down. Uh, and I don't, I don't care who you are, you've been let down by someone that, that you considered close to you. It's, it's happened to all of us. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 19, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. A, a broken tooth is miserable, isn't it? A foot out of joint, you ever twist your ankle? You ever, you ever uh, sprain your ankle? It's, it's hard to do anything with a sprained ankle. My daughter's an expert at sprained ankles. I think she's had more than most people alive. And uh, I used to sprain my ankles a good deal playing football in high school. It's very painful. And, and that's, what, that's what putting your confidence in unfaithful people, that's what it's like. Now let me ask you something. Do you want to be a broken tooth to God? Do you want to be a foot out of joint to God? I want to be able to, I want God to be able to put his trust in me. And, and I want him to know that, that it's secure. You know, there, there are some people, I hate to say this, but there are some people that will tell me they're going to do something. And I'm sorry, I just, I just don't believe it. Because they're not faithful people. And they've proven to me over the years that they can't be depended on. Now, they'll come to me and say, hey, you know, pastor, sometimes I remember over the years, pastor, pastor would ask for volunteers. and I'd see certain people shoot their hand up in the air immediately. And he would name off who raised their hand. And you know why they were raising their hand? You know why they were raising their hand. So their name would be mentioned. But they'd never show up. We'd arrived to the time to do whatever we had to do, and guess who wasn't there? Well, surprise, like Gomer says surprise, surprise, surprise. It was no surprise. Don't be that kind of person. Listen, we're to be faithful people. You know, if you can't show up to help put something, that's understandable, but don't, don't say you will and then don't show up. If you say you're going to, then, then show up, be dependable. Faithfulness is contagious, by the way. Uh, when, you're, when you become faithful, people around you become faithful. Other people are, 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 are inspired by your faithfulness and they'll be faithful. So we're to be faithful to serve. We, we need to be faithful in all that we do. The motto of the U.S. Marines is Semper Fidelis, which means always faithful. Faithful. And it must become the motto of every believer, every Christian needs to develop an attitude of faithfulness. Now, it certainly was the philosophy of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus didn't wake up and and say, "Uh, Father... I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Calvary today. So uh, go ahead and have Peter take my place. He didn't do that, did he? Matter of fact, the Bible says he set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint. There was nothing that was going to deter him from being faithful to God. And he's our example. Now, I'm not sitting here this morning trying to tell you that I can be as faithful as Christ. There's no way. But I'm to strive to be faithful in all that I do. So remember that. Let us make a commitment to serve. And then let us be faithful to perform that which we have committed to do. But then secondly this morning, the second characteristic of our service to God is this. We are to be dedicated to our service. First, we're to be faithful to serve. And then secondly, we are to be dedicated to our service. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Paul said, not with eye service. Or in other words, simply simply being faithful to serve when someone is watching. Um, How many of you... Supervise people, or, or you do something like that. Any of you? Do you ever leave your job and go away and come back a half hour later, and absolutely nothing's been done? Huh. I remember one day uh, I was running. My, I, I owned a construction business, and I had to run to the I had to run to the lumberyard to get some materials, and so I left. And when I left, I left instructions on what had to be done. And I was gone for a good hour because the lumberyard was a good distance away. And when I came back, not one board had been moved. Not one nail had been taken out of place. Nothing had been done. You see, that's people that work for eye service. They're going to be very busy when someone's there to watch them. But when, when someone's not there to watch them, they become lazy. And Paul says, we're not to, we're not to be that way. We're to be, we're to be obedient unto our masters in the flesh. We're not to serve with eye service, just because we're being watched. But we're to do all that we do, he said, as unto the Lord. Listen, whatever your job is, whatever you get a paycheck to do, you need to be diligent and faithful to do it. You need to, you need to be... And that's why, listen... That's why it's so careful what we do we be careful what we do. Because whatever we do, God expects us to do it as if we were doing it for Him. And if we're involved in some kind of some kind of work that is dishonoring to God, then we're supposed to be diligent at dishonoring God. And that doesn't that doesn't fit very well, does it? That's like putting a square peg in a round hole. And, and, and we need, But we need to be dedicated to, to our service. But not only to the service we do to earn a paycheck, but we need to be dedicated in our service to the Father. We need to be dedicated to be obedient, to be faithful, to be loyal. We find so many reasons not to serve God, but there's one reason to serve Him, and that is because it is what He expects of us. We're to serve God faithfully, even when no one is there to see us, even when no one is there to thank us. And, and we're to do it because it's right to do, not to draw attention. I can't tell you how many times I have, I have shown up and found something undone. Something that someone else had committed to doing. We need to be dedicated. You know, Jesus was dedicated to us, wasn't he? He was dedicated to the Father. I've said this before. Jesus does love us. He loves us with an undying love. But Jesus, his first motive for dying on the cross was not his love for me. His first motive for dying on the cross was his love for the Father. Even, even if my salvation would not have resulted in the, his death on the cross, if it were the will of the Father, he still would have died on the cross because he obeyed the Father. And too many Christians have a, well, what's in it for me attitude. Hmm? Well, uh, what's in it for me if I go to church every Sunday? What's in it for me if I obey God? What's in it for me if I, if I deny myself of sinful pleasures? Well, what's in it for you is irrelevant because you don't deserve anything. The fact that you're going to heaven is more than you ever deserved. So be content with that. And serve the Father and, and be dedicated to obeying him. Thank God for men and women who are dedicated to serve. Most people today give it a lick and a promise, and then they're out of here. Thank God our Savior is not that way. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul writes, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God the Father is is faithful to us. He's dedicated to to his word and his will. But then thirdly today, I want us to see that we are to be sincere in our service. We are to be sincere. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, Joshua states, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Now the word sincere literally means without blemish. It means without blemish. That's what sincere sincerity means. It's taken from a, it's taken from a Greek word that, in the Greek marketplaces, would have been used when you. When you went to purchase pottery in, in Paul's day in the Greek marketplace, um, the potters, their livelihood depended upon selling you this pottery. And, and, and if they had a defective piece of pottery, if it had a crack in it, they sometimes would melt wax into that crack. And then they'd paint, they'd paint over the crack and you wouldn't know the cracks there. So, you went into the marketplace and you saw this, this, this vase and you said, Oh, look how beautiful. And you went and you purchased it and you bring it home and put water in it, and all of a sudden the water just ran out. So, the people would go into the Greek marketplaces to buy these things and they would say, Is it sincere? Is it, is it, is it without blemish? Is it as you're advertising? And that's the word that's used when we talk about sincerity in our service to God. Sincere service is service given without ulterior motives. As I said, over the years, and some of you know this is true, over the years we've had people come here and the only reason they they come to church, the only reason they start in the church is because they're trying to salvage their relationship, maybe their marriage. I've known people that have come here had bad marriages, and they thought, well, maybe if we get in church, maybe, maybe it'll it'll solve our marital problems. And uh, and there have been people that have come here uh, with, with with wayward children. Over the years, when I when I was the youth director here, they'd bring their children into the church, and 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 they they'd come to me and say, you know, my my teenage son, my teenage daughter, she's very rebellious. And I used to tell them, you know, this church is not a fix-all church is not going to undo what's been done over time to your child it's going to take time to fix it and it's going to start with you you're going to have to set the example you're going to have to, you're going to, have to change your life if you expect them to change their lives but I've seen people come in and they weren't sincere they weren't sincere in the motive to come to church they, they were coming for an, with an ulterior motive I've known people that have come to church because they wanted recognition. I think I shared this a while back. We had a guy, came, a man came to church, brought his family, and established himself, and he wanted to become a deacon. But he, he wasn't qualified to be a deacon, and when he found out he could never be a deacon, he left because his service wasn't sincere. See, some people come to church because they want to get something out of it. They come because they have an ulterior motive. Their motive is not to honor God. Their motive is not to to worship God. Their their motive is not to serve God. Their motive is to serve self, their own agenda. Now, looking out at you today, I don't believe any of you are here for that motive or that reason. and, And thank God for that. But let us always be watchful. And let us guard our fences, if you will. Because the devil will always try to do something to cause us to stumble and fall. Our service is to be sincere. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. I like that verse. I like what Samuel says. He says consider what God has done for you and then give him all of your heart. He's worthy, isn't he? He deserves our heart. He deserves our dedication. He deserves our loyalty. Let me ask you today, why do we come to this church? Why are you here today? Is it to be blessed, to receive a blessing, or is it to be a blessing? Are you here because your problems in life are overwhelming you, and so you, you understand God is your help, but you're here. You're not here primarily to glorify him. You're here to, to, to lessen the pressures on you. Why, why are you here? Why do, why do, why do we teach? Why, why do we spend time in the Sunday school classes? Why, why do we, we spend time in the Pioneer Club? Why did you go camping with your kids this week? Is it to help others see Christ? Or is it just so that men will see you doing things? Why do we serve? If you, if you, if you can sing, why do you sing in the choir? If, if you can ush, why do you ush? If you can if you're a master of electronic equipment as Bob back there, why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you play these instruments? Why do you lead the singing? Why do we do all the things we do? Why do we serve? Is it for the good of others? Is it to be a blessing to those around us? Is it to is it to, to please and honor God, or is it for the gratification that we find ourselves? For doing these things, some people just give, like to give themselves a pat on the back well i 'm not like so and so over there who doesn 't do anything I, I serve why Our service is to be sincere it 's to be without ulterior motives if you never if you never get seen, if you never hear thank you, if you never benefit one bit. From your service to God, you still should serve him in sincerity. So we're to be sincere in our service. Number four, we're to be cooperative as we serve. Now this is important. We're to be cooperative as we serve. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, Let nothing be done through strife, are vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves you know it amazes me over the last 35 years the number of churches that I've seen across this nation that are built upon ministries of hate and contention And they're out there. You better believe they're out there. Churches go through these wars against each other, battling and fighting, and and all the all this contention. Now, now I'm not talking about, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, but I'm not talking about um, taking a stand against false religion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. People of like faith battling and warring with one another. The contention. We're, we're to be cooperative as we serve. But we are to contend for some things. We're to contend. First, I have these two things on your list. We're to contend with the works of evil. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law contend with them. This would be. This would be... You and I contending against practices such as abortion, homosexuality, perversions and things such as this. People were rejoicing this week over the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage. Well, we are to contend against that. People at work. A couple of people at work said, what do you think of that? I told them, I said, you don't want to know. If you want to know, talk to me away from here. But within the walls that have ears, you don't want to know what I think. But you know what? In America, we're so busy following our own agendas, it doesn't bother us. Doesn't us. We just, we look at that and say, oh, well, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and, and now we're not, we're not to be foolish in our contention, but we are to contend against these things. We're to pray about it. We should go to the Father and pray that he would change this. We're to, we're to instruct our children about this. Some of you here like me who have grandchildren, you need to make sure your grandchildren understand what's right. We're to we're to we're to lift and exhort righteousness. So so we're to contend with the works of evil, but then also we are to contend for the faith, and I must hurry. In Jude verse 3, Jude writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This would be, this of course would be taking a stand against false religion, against Catholicism, Mormonism, Pantheism, Jehovah Witnesses, Islamics, such as this. But we're to be careful because we are admonished in Romans chapter 12 if it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We're not to go around like a bunch of ogres attacking people. We're to attack evil. And we're to teach truth and righteousness. And we're to go out and witness and try to change the, or try to tell men the truth so their hearts might be changed unto God the Father. But we are to live peaceably. We're not to be argumentative and and, and contentious people. So we we have these. Then then lastly, number five, I'll I'll give you this quickly. We are to be generous with our service. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Be generous. Has God given you a talent? Then be generous with that talent. Use it to his glory. Use it in his service. Use it to help others. I have a statement on your sheet. I'll give you this quickly and we'll be done. If you will do anything for God, do it today. For you, tomorrow may never come. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James said, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Solomon said... In Ecclesiastes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. If you know that something's right to do, then do it today. Don't sit there and say, well, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to start doing this. No, no, no. You may not have tomorrow. And you will be held accountable for the obedience you gave today. So if you know something's right to do, get it done. Do it today. Don't, don't delay. Don't put it off. All right, folks, I could say more, but I need to stop.
0: Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke, Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally...